Hello and welcome and happy new year. Special presentation from the In the Money Players podcast. This is our annual Eclipse Awards show. I'm your host, Peter Thomas Fornitown, coming to you from the little house on the east side in Saratoga. And uh, joining us as he has had, as he as he has done for the past several of these uh, Eclipse Award shows, we bring in a man uh, in some warmer climes than what we're dealing with here in freezing and uh, and wet, but not yet snowy Saratoga uh, from Southern California. It's Jay Pribman. Jay, what's going on? Hey, good morning. Happy New Year. It's California cold, though, for us, Pete. It was 42 here when I woke up this morning, which I know is probably like the high where you guys are. But for us, it's, you know, it's chilly. Did you have the Did you have the full parka on and the, the hat yeah. and everything? Oh, California yeah. cold. Yeah. <laughs> We're grading also, on a curve. Also joining us today from across town, a man who's familiar with the fake cold of places. Actually, I guess in Texas, sometimes it gets real cold, but often the fake cold of places like Texas and uh, California. But now dealing with this stuff uh, with me over there on the other uh, and, and Also, you're also on the east side, but just, you know, just a bit uh, south of the little house here. Jonathan Kinchin, what's up, JK? Yeah, look, I, I mean, I people always talk about the cold. I, I grew up in Texas where it gets uh obnoxiously hot and it's the same approach you dress appropriately and you stay inside and if you do that for the hot or the cold you'll be just fine so uh i don't do too much gallivanting around outside when it when it gets chilly uh i'm impressed that you reported in for work today jonathan you know sometimes uh you, the, the, these life events uh get in the way and and, and mess up your schedule sort of famously on these shows, I, I was worried about when I saw that Texas did not win last night. I had gone to bed at halftime, care, happy that the the over was in the books, thanks to uh, Chris Felica and the Bear Bets podcast for lots of good ideas betting these New Year's Day games. But uh, you're, you're reporting in for work. You're not. You're 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 undaunted. Nah, I mean it's you know it's it's disappointing. They had a good year and and uh, and. You know, made too many mistakes last night. You can't turn the football over. It's it's one of the one of the the, the cardinal sins of football, and and they did it. Uh, and and two drives too that they were actually moving the football and turned it over. So uh, they had a chance at the end and uh, didn't pull it off. So uh, it's 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 part of it, I guess. Right? Nothing to second guess or, or complain about for you. You're just accepting the victory as a found a better team on the night overall. Yeah, no. Washington played extremely well, and like like I said, they turned it over a few times. Texas did. Uh, in in inopportune times, and uh, and and still had a chance at the end. So you know, it's one of those deals where I'm glad the program seems to kind of be back in the, in in the light in the light it needs to be in the direction it needs to be going in. We kind of fell out of that uh, in the last ten years. So that's that's the positive I'll take from it. Good entertaining games, both. I'll say that much as non as a non hardcore college football guy. Certainly got to sit back and have some entertainment for much more. From Jonathan on the sports side of things, you're going to want to check out the Side Bets podcast, which appears in the main In the Money Media feed, wherever you get your podcasts, or uh, you can check out. You got your own feed for that too, don't you? Yeah, yeah, we got we're we're uh, we're locked and loaded. We missed last week. Uh, illness, illness caught up, and Lafitte was traveling to New York, but we'll be back. We'll be back this week. NFL playoffs coming up uh, very soon. Definitely stuff you're going to want to check out. So interesting season of Eclipse Award voting for sure. And Jay, one of the things I love about having you on these shows, not just your depth and breadth of knowledge, being a, uh, hall of, a literal Hall of Famer when it comes to horse racing journalism, but I love your approach. And for those that aren't familiar 
with especially how you look at the human categories. If you wouldn't mind maybe kicking us off just with a little bit of a recap of that, and then we'll just zip through these categories uh, one by one until we get our Eclipse final answers. Yeah, well, once I make my selections, uh, Pete, for each horse division, I, I make a spreadsheet and with not only the name of the horse, but who rode that horse, who was the trainer, um, who are the owners, and who bred the horse. And I look through that for commonalities uh, in terms of the human categories, because I think just to merely look at earnings or stakes wins, while certainly you know very significant, doesn't tell you the whole story. And if you start seeing the same trainer popping up in several divisions with champions that you voted for, I think that uh, helps guide where you end up going in terms of some of the selections. Same with with jockey or, or especially breeder, which is I think really needs a, a deeper dive to, to get to the, the granular levels of some of these things. And so as we go through some of those categories later, I'll explain what I did. But for me, trainer really was... I knew going in who it would probably be, but when I did this exercise, it made it even more obvious. And I think that makes a lot of sense because a lot of people, and we'll share some of the materials, the backup materials that voters get throughout these shows. When you look at that, what I'll call the bare form, it is going to favor a lot of times a quantity over a quality in a lot of ways. And so it's a nice and very smart thing that I have stolen um, th that I think more voters should uh, should take a look at. Why don't we dive right into the awards, gentlemen? We'll start off looking at two-year-old Philly, one that didn't, uh, I don't think takes too much uh, effort to, to get to the bottom of, at least in terms of uh, of who the champion should be. We'll throw throwing the PPs up there and, and tipping my hand, but the, JK, how you're not actually, we got to get you in the guild so you can be a voter again. You you voted you voted when we were back with the place with the letters, right? Did you vote one year? No, this? no, I never voted. No, they, 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 they've, um, they they just didn't do the paperwork. I you know paperwork. I just didn't. I just got to do it. Yeah, you're right. I need to. I need to. I need to get involved here. I'll stay on you about that. But uh, if you did happen to vote for for two year old Billy, what what are your thoughts on this category? Yeah, I mean a lot of these are, a lot of these are straightforward, and that's the way that it should be. I mean, just FYI, absolutely is the one who will win, and I, I think that um, there's not a whole lot to that. If you if you can pull off uh, a grade one win somewhere along the way, and you win the Breeders' Cup. And these two-year-old races, you're basically uh, destined to to be a champion. And I think that uh, just FYI is that one. It is interesting, you know, how they mix in the turf horses with the dirt horses and the PPs they send around in this category. Clearly, you're supposed to be looking at those. But for me, you know, that's more of a secondary thing uh, in, in, if there's an unclear situation with the uh, with with the dirt horses is that similar jay to how you look at it with uh, considering dirt horses versus turf horses in this category or any of these categories and anything to add about just fyi or any of these others yeah well, I, I mean obviously just fyi is the deserving winner here uh undefeated and winning the breeders cup against all the major contenders for the title on the day uh so she certainly wrapped that up in the way you're supposed to in terms of my approach in this category pete you know, for the older horses, you've got specific carved out categories for grass horses, female grass, male grass, whereas you don't for the two-year-olds. So that's why they're all lumped together. I tend to lean towards dirt, but if there's not an obvious uh, standout on the dirt, then, you know, I'll, I'll certainly give strong consideration to, uh, to grass horses. And in fact, my second and third in this category are, are both grass horses. I voted for hard to justify second and 
she feels pretty third in this category. Uh, that's just to so that they can get three finalists uh, on the night when they announce the winners. Only the first place vote matters in terms of who wins the division. Obviously, just FYI is going to win this category. It might mean something, though, in truth, to the people in the industry to get that uh, to get that invite. I can't remember if you're a, if you're a finalist, if they still if you get any freebies or if you have to still pay for the table, but still to to go and be part of the festivities, <laughs> I think is is something that a lot of uh, horse people would enjoy. PD what, what, and, and Jay as well. What do you what do you think a resume would have to look like in this division or in the boys for a a primarily turf horse to win it? Because I don't think it's ever happened, really, right? I mean. I'm trying to think of one. I can't think of one. I mean, I know newspaper of record got, you know, they talked about her getting it a little bit uh, a couple of years yeah. back, but what do you think a resume would have to look like? There's just not a lot of grade one opportunities. Yeah. you'd have. I think you'd have had to have chaos in the, in the juvenile Phillies race, for instance, you know, if Tamara and just FYI and anybody else who'd want a grade one, I'll just, you know, crap the bed like Tamara did on the day and some 50 to one shot with, you know, absolutely no credentials coming in, won the race in sort of a fluke effort. Then I think you start going, well, is that the horse I want to reward? Or is there somebody in the grass division who was a standout? You know, newspaper of record, I'm glad you brought her up. I voted for her that year. I thought she was the best two-year-old filly uh, in North America that year. And, and I, in that specific instance, I voted for her. Yeah, Breeders' Cup win, probably another big win somewhere along the way when it comes to the resume of, of that horse. But I think Jay hits the nail on the head. It would be almost more about the chaos in the other division. Oh, that's the wrong screen. Let's see how many times I share the wrong screen as uh, as part of the shows today. Hopefully I'll get that right. Let's move on to two-year-old male and, uh, and chat about this one. Another one that uh, I think it's pretty safe to say was one on the racetrack at uh, come, come Breeders' Cup time. Jay, what are your thoughts on the two-year-old male category in general? And I do think it is worth mentioning uh, seconds and thirds, even though it's only more for academic purposes. Yeah, my, uh, my top three in this division were the one, two, three across the finish in, in the Breeders' Cup. I, I did vote for fierceness. Again, this is another race where you had all the top contenders for the division in the race. And he certainly won as much the best on the day, you know, Muth and Locked were next to cross the line. And both those horses had grade one victories coming into the, uh, into the race uh, in the American Pharaoh and the breeders futurity respectively. So they certainly had strong credentials going in, but they were clearly inferior in the championship race to fierceness. And so fierceness gets it over Muth and Locked for me. And fierceness, really uh, looking at the the PP cut there. I mean, what a what a serious race that that came back so fast on the buyer speed figure scale. Certainly, very curious to see if he can improve on that. And you know, his the function of his being such a ginormous price, you know, clearly very much down to that champagne flop because that maiden win up here, J.K. certainly was one that it made him look like the kind of horse that could run a 105 maybe uh, by the end of the two-year-old year or certainly early three-year-old year and looks to be the kind of runner that has a, a serious Kentucky Derby chance based on the body of work we've seen so far. Any other thoughts from you, JK, on fierceness? No, I mean, I think another kind of slam dunky one. You know, I mean, I think like if you can, if you can win the Breeders' Cup and you can win another grade one, um, I think you pretty much have locked yourself into to winning. And, and that's how it should be. I mean, that's what those 14 races are meant to be. They're supposed to be 14 championship races. Well, if you win one of them and you've, you've got a, and, and you're like, like Jay said, you're not fluky. Um, I, I think you deserve to be the champion. We'll pivot over now to the three-year-old Philly category and JK will keep it with you for your thoughts on this one. 
Yeah. Um, I don't have the I don't have the thing right in front of me. Um, yeah, I mean, this is another one where it just feels like, you know, if, if these Kentucky Oaks types, this one can get a little bit tricky. Uh, the pretty mischievous conversation is obviously a little bit uh, tricky. Um, randomized. Uh, Chagira ended up having a pretty darn good year. Um, you know, pretty mischievous is one for me that that I wouldn't have a problem with. You know, I think that, you know, like with the boys, if, if you win uh, the Kentucky Oaks, you win the Kentucky Derby, I think you get a point and a half when, when you're looking at those. We talk about that all the time, Pete, when it comes to like those kind of uh, uh, those grade one pluses. Uh, I think yep. those definitely count in that category as well. And and, and look, I, I understand that the test is a little bit tricky for pretty mischievous, but I think that her resume outside of that is 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 one that you can lean on as well. So um, I think my my lean would would always go when it comes to the Kentucky Oaks and the Derby, they get a little bit extra credit. So I'll probably go with pretty mischievous here. I get it. And I think that's the way that, I, that I'm leaning. Jay, what did you do in this category? Did pretty mischievous do enough um, or, or are you taking in a different direction? I ended up going in a kind of an, an off the wall direction for a horse that is not going to win the category. But the more I looked at it, I just was, I was unsatisfied with overall with pretty mischievous. I mean, obviously the test is sort of a, you know, uh, that's a phony grade one win, I think, you know, for her in there, but she did win the Oaks and she did win the acorn, which are significant races. So she had a, you know, a good resume from that standpoint. I just thought this division was really weak overall. And, you know, I'll probably take some flack for who I ended up voting for, but I went with Maj. Uh, there's not a three-year-old Philly grass division and, the, you know, she only came over for two races, but I mean, she got beat a lip in the Breeders' Cup by Master of the Seas, and it took a Herculean effort on his part to beat her that day. She did win the QE2 Cup, and I just thought those two races, to me, were against better quality horses and were better performances than the best we saw at a pretty mischievous or randomized. So I ended actually ended up going for her. I know she's got no shot of, of winning, but I just really was kind of holding my nose with pretty mischievous and randomized and, and went in a, in a different direction here. I get it. I mean, both of Maj's speed figures were better than any of pretty mischievous's from the entire year. I don't know if that factored into it at all. I mean, for me, I think I still have a little bit too much of a bias in this category of thinking North American dirt first and thinking there was enough in the body of work for pretty mischievous. But let me, let me tell you, Jay, when you say it out loud, it doesn't sound crazy. JK, what about you? Uh, what do you think of the Marge case? One thing I love is that it's not a one race campaign that in this day and age, it's like amazing how much even just that second race means to me in taking a horse seriously for an award like this. Well, it's funny. Cause like, as we talked about this the other day, Pete, on another show you did, but like as a pick four, pick five, pick six player, my brain sees crossing the wire first. Like, but Maj's performance getting second in the Breeders' Cup mile was outstanding. I mean, it, it, you know, she lost by a, a nasty nose, you know, and, and so the the fact that there should be some credit for that, I have no issue with that. But honestly, like, there's no one in here that makes me feel icky, right? If someone were to vote on randomized for winning the Alabama and doing it the way that she did, I wouldn't. And then running so well, you know, obviously running second as well um, in the in the distaff. I don't have a problem. There's sometimes there's categories where it kind of makes my teeth itch. If I had to pick a horse or if a horse won, none of these three horses really make me uncomfortable. Any case to be made for having ceiling crusher in the top three, Jay, or do you think those are the three pretty mischievous maws, Maj and randomized in some order? If you do an all dirt ticket, then yeah, she could be third behind 
pretty mischievous and uh, and randomized. Uh, so I could certainly see her getting some love in that in that context. Gotcha. But yeah, I'm I'm not especially for the underneath awards. I I lose that bias that that I would uh, th- that I have about American racing and, and dirt racing and all that for the unders especially. I I do think Maj belongs in the in the three as we talk it through, and I'm going to vote it as such. Let's move on to the three-year-old male category, and uh, JK will start. Uh, actually, no, we'll go the other direction. Jay, we'll start with you. What did you end up voting for in here? So I, I put Argangelo first. I think you win the the Belmont and the Travers in a year where it, it was really dispersed among all these horses as to you know who won, and it was, it was hard for so many of these horses to put together a proper campaign. Like everybody, either faded at the end of the year or got hurt or retired or worse. And it was just really a, a strange year for this division. And I just think a, a Belmont Travers double is, is an obvious standout uh, for a championship in here. Uh, you know, behind him, I think you could have gone in any number of directions with the likes of Arabian Knight and you know, Mage and go rocket ride and horses of that category i actually went with uh, forte and practical move for the for the runner-up uh, spots but archangelo to me is the is is the clear-cut deserving champion of this division i get it and i agree those races are both in that grade one plus category we were talking about the the clock love these races generally speaking jay how much if at all do you consider the clock and the figures when you're looking at, at uh, this type of voting I'm more of a head-to-head guy than when it, you know when I'm handicapping. I look at the figures, obviously. When it's when it's something like this, this exercise, it's more of a a resume and what what was your body of work? Who did you beat? What races did you win? And and not quite as much the figs, though. You know, if if it's a coin flip kind of situation, then then I might look at that and say, okay, like, well, who was who was the faster horse at at, at the best? You know, on their best day, I might look at something like that. But that's far down the, you know, the, the numbers of things that I evaluate uh, compared to other, other things. Makes sense. I'm team Archangelo. I definitely get the practical move case. I get the go rocket ride case and a, you know, what might've been, but of course, you know, then you got to tie in the form of the Arabian night and decide what you want to do there. Bit of a grab bag underneath the top one, but I'm pretty comfortable with Archangelo. Would that be where your vote would go, Jonathan? Yeah, we've talked about this before, and it's actually kind of a fun bar trick I like to do with people is to ask them to rank the five most important three-year-old races in their order. And, and you usually get a, a pretty similar order uh, when it comes to a lot of different people. I'd be curious to hear your guys's, but like for me, obviously the Derby's number one, then it's the Travers, then it's the Belmont, then for me it's the Preakness and then the Haskell. Like those are the five most important, and that's the order in which I weigh them in my brain. If any horse wins one, one wins two of those five races, to me, it's like an automatic they win. Now, if they win like the Haskell and the Preakness, those are on the lower end of the of the scale, and a, a big derby winner and a couple of other big performances could kind of elevate it. But you win the Belmont, you win the Travers, um, you win a combination of, of two of those five races or even more, then to me, you deserve to be champion. So uh, I got no problem with Archangelo. And he probably would have, you know, look, he – he likely would have been second choice in the classic if he would have run. Not that that matters, but that's how good he was. That's how that's how uh, impactful he was. Right. He was the international favorite until all that negative steam with all the workout issues and such. I mean, he. I think that's very reasonable to say. I agree with your order of those races for sure. 
um, in my view. But of course, then you got to weigh in what they're going to do, what they've done against elders. Now, this was a sort of a weird Pacific Classic year where the top of the market was all three-year-olds. But like generally speaking, I'd want to give a little extra credit there. And then obviously how they what they do in the Classic matters uh, matters immensely. How about you, Jay, just on that idea of the ranking of the top three-year-old races? Are, 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 are we on to something or are we out to lunch? I think Jonathan had him ranked. You know, I'd, I'd also say that the Pennsylvania Derby has become a pretty significant race too, and maybe that's number six uh, in the rankings. But it's it, it's up there. I mean, to me, it's it's a it's a top race now that belongs in that conversation. Maybe you know, arguing over what's four, five, and six. I think it would be in that context. Not certainly not one, two, three. And the Pete, the the point you made was something I was going to bring up. I think races against older horses in the fall count for a lot. Uh, this year, like you said, the Pacific Classic was uh, the older horses in that race weren't all that strong. Uh, the three-year-olds dominated, but that's that counts for something. A, a three-year-old beating older horses in a race like that, or the Jockey Club Gold Cup, or the Woodward, uh, and and certainly if they were to do well in in something like the Breeders' Cup Classic, uh, those are things that come into play. Many years it didn't this year uh, in terms of the Breeders' Cup Classic, but I think you know there's always always uh, opportunities in other years where you'll you'll see something like that and you have to weigh it strongly if a three-year-old who's had a, bit, a good year runs well in the classic we'll move on to female sprinter one where i imagine there'll be some debate about how things uh how things played out on the racetrack which direction do you lean here jk and in, in what i think is basically a two-horse race right yeah i mean look i Look, I don't want to punish Echo Zulu for being injured and not being able to participate. Um, I, I think she would have given Goodnight all of all she wanted uh, in, in the Breeders' Cup Philly and Mare Sprint. But, you know, she didn't. And Goodnight all of won and was back-to-back. And I understand that Echo Zulu beat her head-to-head, so I wouldn't have a problem with someone wanting to go that direction. But when it's close, I'm always going to defer to one of the 14 purple races and if goodnight olive wins then that race then um i'll go there with it echo zulu was outstanding like i said i wouldn't be upset at anyone who picked her but uh i'm gonna defer to the to the to the breeders cup champion and goodnight olive i'm okay with it i mean you know from a speed figure point of view it's probably one of the other you know you got head-to-head and figures in the echo zulu corner but boy did i love how good night Olive ran in the ballerina. I felt like she was taken out of her comfort zone and still ran such a big race and stuck on so well. And then uh, to turn up at the Breeders' Cup and, and get that done, I'm I'm okay with the good night Olive uh, over Echo Zulu in this category. How do you see it, Jay? Yeah, I, I struggled with this one uh, more than any other category because I could make a, a strong case for both of these Phillies. And it, I really had it, or, or in the case of good night Olive, a mare, uh, I really had a tough time with this, and I ended up giving the slightest of preferences to Echo Zulu because of the one head-to-head meeting. And, you know, it's not certain that Echo Zulu was going to run against Goodnight Olive in the Philly and right. sprint. They were giving strong consideration to going against the boys in the sprint. It's all moot because, she, unfortunately, she suffered a career-ending injury training for the Breeders' Cup, but she had a perfect record. Uh, you know, Goodnight Olive had a terrific year as well, and as Jonathan mentioned, she won the championship race. And you can't discount Goodnight Oliver for winning a race that Echo Zulu wasn't in because Echo Zulu got hurt. You don't, you don't want to punish Goodnight Olive for that. That's certainly not fair. But by the same token, you know, Goodnight Olive didn't get it, or Echo Zulu didn't get a chance to run 
in that race because of a, uh, uh, or in the Breeders' Cup, I should say, because of a career-ending injury. So I ended up, the, the thing that swayed me most was just the one head-to-head meeting where Echo Zulu, you know, beat her. Uh, and so that was the way I ended up going. I put Echo Zulu over Goodnight Olive. It, we can't write tie in for uh, our votes. You have to pick one and two. This is a case where if we were allowed to split the vote, I would have voted for a tie with these two. I tend to agree. And just my maybe Breeders' Cup fandom pushing me in one direction over another. Reasonable minds can certainly disagree about that one. Let's move on to the male sprinter category here. And uh, Jay, we'll, we'll let you lead off with how you approach this category. Yeah, this fortunately was a lot easier. Uh, you know, Elite Power just had a sensational year. He won the Breeders' Cup sprint for the second straight year. And, you know, significantly, you know, he and Gunite had just a great rivalry, not only here, but overseas as well. And uh, Elite Power beat him three out of the four times, uh, including in the Breeders' Cup. They, they were both just high-quality sprinters, but Elite Power gets this, and I would imagine uh, he'll be – pretty strongly uh, favored in this category. And I, I did put Gunite second because he's certainly the most deserving runner up behind him. No doubt about it. And in terms of third, just for academic purposes, yeah. uh, Cody's wish making appearance on your ballot or did you go in a different direction? Not not in this category. He makes uh, uh, appearances in other categories. I, I actually voted for the chosen Vron for third. I just thought he had a terrific year. And I thought that Bing Crosby was a, a field where he beat a number of horses who had strong credentials like Dr. Shivel, for instance, uh, who, who ran back in the Breeders' Cup. Uh, that was, to me, like the key race to, to give him the third spot. But it was a long way back to third from the, from the top two, certainly. Any uh, use to give praise to the chosen Vron and his amazing uh, career, five-year-old gelding, 14 for 19 lifetime, obviously dominant against Calbreds, but can knock heads against the big boys too, even if not quite in that elite power gunite category. Anything to add here, JK, or is this one we can quickly move on from? Yeah, no, elite power for me. And I think that, you know, look, I, I we'll talk about it a little bit as we go. I think that you try to, you, you want to try to be careful, like not to make these like lifetime achievement awards. Um, you want it to kind of stay within the fact that the calendar year of which you're discussing, but I do think that even in Goodnight Olive's case, as well as Elite Power, the fact that they were champions who came back and were successful again to stretch out that success over an entire calendar year, I do think that 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 deserves a little bit of extra bonus credit in your mind. Not that Elite Power needed it to win this category for the second straight year, but it just a, a, a point that I wanted to make that I do think that there should be some extra consideration considering the longevity of, of these horses being as good as they are. You say that about a Lifetime Achievement Award, but of course there are famous examples where for many voters that's exactly what they uh, they become, but point well taken in any event. Let's move on to the female turf category as I share those uh, PP cuts up on the screen here. Uh, Jonathan, what did you do in this category? Yeah, let me just pull it up so I don't say something stupid here. Um, <laughs> I can make you go second on all of these since Jay already voted. That might make Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, so, I mean, look, uh, I, I'm a huge in Italian fan, but she's kind of tailed off towards the end of the year. Warlike Goddess, um, you know, she had some pretty big moments, some really big races. I, I, I really, I, look, I'm, gonna, I, I'm a little bit biased because I like one of these horses significantly more than I like the other one. 
Um, so I'm probably good thing. I am not voting on this. Cause I, it would be, I would probably go in Italian. Um, I'd probably go in Italian, but like I said, I wouldn't get sick if someone did warlike goddess. Uh, Maj, another one who could come up certainly in this, in this category in spiral. If you, if you're not afraid of the one number horses domestically, that's, that's obviously another reasonable way to go here. How did you end up approaching this one, Jay? I'm glad you mentioned that last name there, Pete, because that's the way I, I went. Uh, for me, I don't like to usually vote for one start in North America horses. Uh, but in this specific case, I did go for Inspiral for, for several reasons. First off, for me, while I don't count the number of grade one wins overseas as something on their resume when factoring in who I would vote for here, I do like to see if a European horse comes over and wins here in one start, that they had a proper high-class resume coming here, and they're not like a fluky horse. And obviously, Inspiral is not a fluky horse. She is a, a top-class, world-class kind of filly. Um, you know, Jonathan alluded to this. I just thought an Italian didn't finish the year off well uh, at all, including a couple losses to horses that I think are just inferior stablemates of hers. And then, again, similar to the Echo Zulu Good night, Olive situation uh, earlier. I just came back to head to head here. And in the one time they ran against one another in spiral beat in Italian. Uh, so that was the way I went in spiral first and in Italian second in this category. It is interesting that in these PP cuts that they send us, they include the foreign races, which if my understanding of the rules is correct, Jay, is not supposed to factor in to what we do here. If it did, it would certainly turn these turf, categories on the, on their head. Um, I think you already did a good job explaining that you sort of look at them as a, as a secondary thing, but I do think that's an interesting interpretation. They ask the voters, they, they're giving you information that they say they don't really want you to be voting on, or, or am I not even understanding that right? No, I mean, they're just giving you a PP cut of, of, of the horse's campaign for the calendar year. And that was in spirals campaign for the calendar year. But, you know, in order to be eligible for an eclipse award, you have to run at least one time uh, in North America, and she did, and she ran in uh, one of the purple races, one of the fourteen purple races, uh, and won it. And it was a and it was a top field. I mean, that was a really, yeah. really good field, uh, and her performance was terrific. And so, like you said, you're not supposed to use the foreign races as sort of well. She, look, she won three Grade Ones or Group Ones, but like I was saying earlier. I, to make a case for a horse like that, I, I like them to at least be horses who have had top campaigns overseas, come here with credentials, and then finish the year off with a championship performance on these shores for to get a vote from me over a North American-based horse. And, and I would have preferred, I think, in theory, to vote for an Italian, but I just I, I couldn't in good conscience the way her year finished off. Yeah, I hear you about the the the, the losses to the less fancied stable mates. And as someone who's obviously a big Marge fan, I'm tempted to go Marge over in Spiral for the extra race and for the fact that you know the Breeders' Cup Mile is, and, and that was a salty race and and mm -hmm. the superior to me of the Philly and Mare Turp in many ways. Right, I, I put her third, uh, and the you know the reason I voted for her in the other category in, on top and not in this one is because the other category was you know three year old only. And this yes. was, this is a different category. This is female turf. You, you, you know, I can see somebody obviously making a case for, her. I mean, I certainly did for 
for three-year-old filly, but that was why I put her only third here behind the other two older horses. Let's zip over to the male companion category for Eclipse Male Turf. And uh, another one where I feel like there's uh, some interesting conversations that could potentially be had. Who did you end up using on your ticket, Jay? Uh, you know, up to the mark, just had a sensational uh, year. Uh, and I, well, the thing that I really liked about his campaign was the versatility that he showed to win at a mile, beating Master of the Seas, to run a bang up second uh, in the turf against Augusta, Augusta Rodin. I mean, th- that was a, a terrific year. And you know, his, his win in the Manhattan was dynamic. Uh, so he, to me, is a is a deserving you know, winner here because, you know, here's a situation where Augusta Rodin came over and beat him in their one head to head meeting. So you might say, all right, I'm being inconsistent in the way I interpret this as opposed to to the in Italian in spiral question, but I don't think so. When you look at up to the marks overall record to me, you know, he had a, a sensational year and he finished off the year. Well, uh, you know, he was second in that race, but my God, the, you know, everything else he did was just dynamic. And to me, his body of work wins out uh, in this category. So I put him first, I put Augusta Rodin second and master of the seas third in, in this category. That was the other horse I was going to bring up. I don't see that as inconsistent because of the body of work that up to the mark had. And, and you know, I think you really have to be holding injury against him to 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 almost to not put him there. I mean, look, if you if you have no problem with one number of horses, obviously, then Augusta Van makes sense. But boy, did uh, I, I that was a for me that loss in the Breeders' Cup turf was one of those losses where up to the mark just gained so much in stature to me. He's uh, he's the one I want, but I, I am a little bit torn with wanting to reward what Master of the Seas did over here with a giant Woodbine Mile, the terrific run two up to the mark in the turf mile. Maybe th- that nose decision is uh, becomes the tiebreaker here. Then coming back and winning. Uh, his Breeders' Cup race was was that a tricky decision for you at all, or was the were you, like you said before, Jay, with the decision on the track head to head being something that you look at? Was it was it maybe not that hard, even though that was only a nose margin? Yeah, it was. It was both things made it clear that up to the mark was superior to the Master of the Seas for me. The head to head first off, uh, and then the overall body of work. Like I said, I, I liked I prefer to lean to North American horses if they have a strong overall campaign all year, and he did. Uh, he, you know, he he was good all year and he finished off the year well, even though he didn't win that last race. He obviously ran what in many years would have been a winning race. So to me, he, yes. his overall year's work was was terrific and deserving of of the title in this division. Jonathan, where would your theoretical vote go in this category? Yeah, uh, up to the mark. Um, it's funny, too. I was thinking about it. I mean, I don't want to play the what if game, but just for the sake of this conversation, because it's I think he's a slam dunk to win it. I do think that like if he were to not have had the summer injury where he would have pulled off one more grade one this summer, maybe the four-star Dave or something like that, and then he would have actually won the Breeders' Cup, I think he would have I think he would have won horse of the year. Um, and maybe even just winning the Breeders' Cup on its own right would have been enough for him to be to give White Abario and Cody's wish a real run for their money. Um, I thought he had an outstanding year. I mean, we have three or four really important turf races. And he won three of them, you know, with with the you know, the Derby Day, uh, Belmont Day, uh, you know, the 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 handful of Grade One miles that happened in California or Keeneland or in New York. I, I thought he was outstanding this year, and and uh, he ran extremely well, like you said, in the Breeders' Cup. So uh, that'll be an easy one for me. 
Yeah, I mean, you make a you make a strong case. Maybe I have that in my mind a little bit more competitive than it is when we really sit there and uh, and and dive into uh, and dive into all the form on that one. We will move ahead. Where do we go next? We will go to the older dirt female category next. And uh, I'm going to send it back, make life easy on JK, who doesn't, who didn't have to actually cast votes, so maybe doesn't have this form in his head quite as much as as Jay does. Uh, what did you end up doing here? Oh, am I going first? Uh, no, did we? Did Jay freeze, or did we lose right. his voice? I, 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 uh, I, I thought you were asking. I misunderstood. I guess it was two out of three. <laughs> well, I understood what you were saying. And- it was bad hosting. No. I was lost trying to find the tab. So I'll take that one as a host fail. Jay, I want no, 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 no. That was me. Your that head. was that, that. That was. A, I need my second cup of coffee out here. Uh, fail. That's what that was. No, idiomatic is certainly the deserving yes. uh, and obvious horse in this division. She had a, a terrific overall year. She won the race that mattered most at the end, beating all the contenders for the title in, in that race in the Breeders' Cup Distaff. So you know she's she's clearly. Uh, the the one who deserves uh, this this category uh, behind her though it's really kind of that then it became challenging to fi- fill out the ballot for second and third I put Clarier second and Adair Manor third but you know you could have made cases for the the likes of even you know Nest or Play Hard Played Hard or somebody like that but um, you know the the vote that matters most is first place and this is an easy one. Yeah, I get that for sure. That was a, a terrific campaign. Just the string of ones at the end of the PPs and grade one races make it easy. I feel like there's a you you could you know for underneath honors you could throw in a you could throw in a good night olive if if you wanted to here. Clariel with the two grade ones though in the spring probably would end up being my my second pick in this one. Jonathan, how about you? Who do, I, I assume you you agree with the dunk idea for idiomatic? Who do you like underneath? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think that this is what I, I think if you close your eyes at night and you think of what an Eclipse championship resume looks like, it's what it looks like. Eight for nine, like running all year long, three grade one wins and then winning the championship race. Uh, this one's a, a slam dunk for me. And I, I actually think this might be the biggest spread category. I mean, you know, I think some people will try to get cute with Gunite a little bit, maybe against Elite Power. Uh, maybe just FYI will be a pretty pretty big slam dunk or fierceness, but I think Idiomatics and have a pretty big spread as well. With people voting on her. Let's move to the older dirt male category. Jay, we'll bring it right back. Uh, we'll bring it right back to you for a summing up of this category. Yeah, I mean, this was uh, I, I think a, a, it's a two horse race for this category between Cody's Wish and Wide Barrio. Uh, you know, they both won Breeders' Cup races. They ran against each other twice during the year, and they split those two divisions, uh, those those two meetings, I should say. Uh, I just thought Cody's Wish had the slightly better overall record of the two, and the race that I come back to most was was the Met Mile. I just thought that yeah. was, you know, the best, maybe the best dirt performance of the year by any horse in North America. And so for me, he wins out uh, for those reasons. So uh, Cody's Wish over Wide Barrio, and then. For third in this category, I mean, you could have gone in a number of different directions. And I just thought most of the the two-turn horses in this division, you know, just didn't put together campaigns that you're, you were crazy about. You know, like Art Collector was out early and then unfortunately passed away. You know, Bright Future won a grade one, but what else did he, you know, 
what do you do? Stiletto boy's a hard horse to, to warm up to overall as was, uh, you know, was proxy. So I actually put elite power third in this division just to have a third place vote. It doesn't really matter per se, because again, only the first place votes matter in terms of who wins, but I didn't like any of the other two turn horses enough to, to put them third more so than elite power. So that's why I threw in his third place. And it sounds like a similar deal to what we were talking about with turf versus dirt with the juveniles, these older awards, you're going to want to go with a two turn horse unless some special circumstances bring a sprinter to the four. Is that fair to say? Yes. Jonathan, how about you? Uh, you, you, you buy in that case that it's really a two horse race and with the, with the grade one plus plus of the, of the Met mile going the way it did. Are you with Cody here? Well, yeah. I mean, I, I think that, I think the Met mile and the Whitney cancel each other out, right? I think they are both uh, those grade one plus pluses, you know, they're in that handful of most important races in North America. They cancel each other out. Uh, the Breeders' Cup Classic obviously carries a little bit more weight, in my opinion, to the dirt mile. But it's that that next grade one that Cody's Wish got. It's the body of work for Cody's Wish. I try not to go body of work, but when it comes really close and it's and you're looking for something to kind of tie it, um, Cody's Wish. And then look, I I know this has no place in in what we're talking about from a, but I also think that the emotional baggage that came with Cody's Wish is another thing that will probably could potentially impact some voters um, sure. and possibly the negative uh, baggage the other way with white Abario, where there's going to be some people that are going to have a hard time um, voting for Rick Dutcher, whether you think that's fair or not, there's going to be a couple of people that are going to struggle with that. So I, I, I it's, I'm not trying to like morning line this thing or, or predict what other people are going to do, but I do believe that Cody's wish will win. And I'm, and I'm fine with that. I think I think it's good. I mean, I guess it's worth pausing on the Dutro thing. I mean, I think that would be unfair to hold paid for transgressions by a trainer who obviously came back in in raring form against a horse like that. But you know, this voting body, Jay, have you have you seen that type of thing before? Do you think that might hurt Abario's chances, or maybe just relative to the feel good story of Cody's wish? Well, I mean, I. We'll take both those things uh, separately. So I've seen this this before in terms of people saying, well, you know, I'm not going to vote for a certain individual because their horses tested positive or I don't really like them. But, you know, we didn't bring this up with Forte. And if if you're not going to bring it up with Forte and the way his hopeful played out and what happened at the mm-hmm. Kentucky Derby and things like that, then to me, it's it's grossly unfair to say I'm going to not vote for White Barrio because I don't like Rick Dutrow. I mean, be cons- if you're if you're going to take that position with Dutro, which I wouldn't I would not and I think would be wrong to take, then you better also take it with Forte and Rapoli and Fletcher and, and, and everything connected to that. That's that's the way I look at that specific situation. Uh, so that that's that's where I come down there. Uh, Very fair-minded, and and in you, and to clarify for anybody watching a clip of this or, or watching the show, in, in your case, you shouldn't hold either either thing against either one. In my opinion, you should not. No, I mean, but there are there are people who several years ago weren't voting for horses trained by a certain individual who has white hair and is based in California because they didn't like the way he behaved or things like that. And it's like if you take that position, just be consistent throughout. I didn't take that position then, and I'm not going to take it with Dutro or or Forte and Fletcher Rapoli, et cetera. Uh, but if you did take that position then, then you better then just be consistent in the way you approach this. That's what I'm saying. I don't think you should pick and choose who you like and who you don't like. That's that I really find distasteful. 
Let's move on to the steeplechase category, which is a really interesting one this year. I was grateful also, you know, in the past we've had a lot of conversation about this. And, uh, you know, I've been a jump fan for a long time. Sean Clancy, well, who has a horse in this race here, uh, one of the people who really helped get me involved in, in the game. And, you know, it's something that I follow and have never not voted for in the years I've had the privilege to cast these votes. Some people feel differently. Um, this year, one thing I thought was cool was that uh, Kerry Bryan, the trainer of both flat and steeplechase runners, uh, wrote a little analysis, I think, to sort of help people along and 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 give a little bit more details, which I thought was really productive. Because, look, I get being frustrated if you're a big jump fan and you, you see people who, who don't vote and you, you take that as an insult or whatever. But how much better is it to do something about it and try to educate people than just to, you know, Hurl uh, brickbats from the from the sidelines. So credit to her for doing that. As for this category itself, boy, it's tricky. I mean, it's a I, I see it as a three horse. It's a three horse affair. I think a lot of people are gonna go for Noah and the Ark for winning the biggest race. But boy, you want to talk about not having a body of work beyond that. And I mean, the horse was seventeen to one that day, and and yielding it at at Far Hills and. I just, Mary Maker ran such a good second and had that backed up with the Lonesome Glory. And then get ready, everybody out there to accuse me of being a homer because I'm going to be one in this category. Then you've got Awaken, owned by Sean Clancy's River D Table and our friend Marshall Graham and, and Clay Sanders and the partners at 10 Strike Racing, who has beaten Mary Maker twice. And they were handicaps, but I think he gave him two pounds in one and, and nothing in the other. It's not easy. But as much as I value the Shepherd as probably the second biggest run of the year, I'm comfortable going awakened here. It's really a bit of a coin flip between him and Merrymaker. And I also wouldn't fight with anybody who wanted to say, you know what, Noah and the Ark won it on the track in the Grand National. Jay, is this a category you uh, you voted in this year? No, I was consistent as always and uh, did not vote in the, in the steeplechase category. I did look at it. I wanted to maybe see if I could find something that, that stood out to me. There was a knock on every single horse in here, and I just decided to uh, defer and leave it to people who have, uh, you know, who saw these horses. I never saw any of them in person, uh, and I just didn't feel comfortable voting for anybody here. I actually thought David Aragona made a really good logical case on Twitter slash X for Snap Decision, who didn't win a quote unquote grade one, uh, but had significant wins and, you know, was in the races where he got beat in grade ones, was giving away just absolute gobs of weight to the horses who beat him. And I think he made a, a compelling case for the horse, but, you know, he was 0 for 2 against Merrymaker in their two head-to-head -head meetings. So to me, it, it just, you know, I went round and round here and finally it was like, you know what, I usually don't vote in this category and I'm, I'm going to take a pass again this year. I think that's fair enough. I mean, and one thing I'll say for for the for the the steeplechase game, I don't know why you know these big spreads and weight spreads in, in graded races. I I don't know. There's got to be. I, I don't know enough about it, but my strong suspicion is there's probably a better way to do it because it does, especially if you want if one of their goals is to get more people paying attention and using the Eclipse Awards as a as a tool to help market the sport. That that addition of a, a major handicapping factor that the voting body doesn't look at hardly in any other race all year to become a major thing in this. It's, it's a little tricky, 
I, I wonder if there isn't a better way with those big summer races to to have them run at something closer to level weights. Maybe, maybe the, the, I'm sure there's nuances that I'm missing. I'm a fan, but I'm not down the rabbit hole like I am with with flat racing for sure. JK, did you have any thoughts on the steeplechase category? No, I'm just going to hop on the soapbox real quick and, and do what I like to do sometimes and point out people's stupidity. Like, I don't understand why people want to get so upset and want to like and have a problem with someone who doesn't feel like they have the knowledge in which to make the best decision decides to not vote. Would you rather someone just like place a, a, a vote based off of looking at the past performances and trying to like, I don't understand why people are bothered by that. I, I appreciate that, that uh, if you don't know, you don't know. So why, why should you feel the obligation to do some research to then try to, if you don't, you haven't paid attention all year, so for why for eight minutes does it matter if someone does or not? I, I find that to be silly. If and when I vote, I will do the same thing that Jay does, which is pass because I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I thought what Jay said was interesting, though. It sounded to me, Jay, like if if it was a clearer answer, you're willing to do some work here. It's just well, I did the work. I tried, and to me, they yeah. all looked the same. They all had knocks on them, and I was like, I can't say that I can vote for. Noah the Ark over Merrymaker or Awakened over Noah the Ark or Snap Decision over all of them or, or Belfast Banner. I mean, they all kind of took turns beating one another or had knocks on, on one another for head-to-heads or or in the case, like you pointed out, of Noah and the Ark of having absolutely no form and then winning in a bog with Lasix. You were talking about the, you know, the, the weight spreads in these grade ones. How about, you know, they're in, north, in the flat racing, which is run under, you know, the graded stakes, committee and Toba rules, you know, no Lasix is allowed in those races, but here, you know, you've got some races with Lasix, some without it's, it's really, it's really an inconsistent presentation of a category. And I'd like, you know, I'd rather, I think all grade ones, whether flat or jump should be wait for age. And I'd like to see some consistency on medication uh, across both uh, disciplines as well. I think that's very reasonable, constructive criticism. I'm going to start jumping around a little bit. So we'll end with horse, even though that's next in my, uh, in my situation here, as I look at the ballot, we'll go to the jockeys award real quick. Jay, how did you rank your, uh, your, your top three riders? So I, you know, again, I was, as we said at the beginning of this uh, exercise, I like to make my little grid and see if there's commonality among riders or trainers or, uh, owners or breeders when voting in, in these categories. And for the horses that I voted for, for divisional championships, uh, IRAD was on two of them, Elite Power, the male sprinter, and up to the mark, the, the male grass horse. So that certainly was uh, something in his favor. But look, he, he had the best year overall anyway, uh, in terms of wins, in terms of purse earnings, in terms of grade, you know, grade one stakes wins. So uh, it's IRAD again, uh, as far as I'm concerned. You know, my second and third behind them were, were challenging because I had three guys for two spots. And the odd man out for me, unfortunately, ended up being Javier Castellano, who had a terrific year with, you know, Derby and Belmont yep. wins. But, you know, I voted for uh, for Junior Alvarado for second in this division, again, because of the commonality factor. Uh, he rode Cody's Wish. He rode Just FYI. Uh, I think Cody's wish is the horse of the year favorite. And I think, you know, it, you get extra credit for being in, in those types of uh, events. And then I put uh, Flavian Pratt third. He had the second most grade one wins behind Ortiz. So, you know, I read for first and, and I think he will win and I think he deserves it. 
than Junior Alvarado and Flavian Pratt for me in this division. What do you think, JK? I mean, I, I think you're going to agree with Erad for sure, but if you were talking about how to fill out the second and third spots, I'm thinking you might have some different ideas just because it's so competitive. Yeah, I mean, I just, I, I really, I mean, yeah, I'm fine with Irad. I have uh, two thoughts. One is that, you know, Irad cannot, he's going to always be at the top, at least for like, I would think for the next maybe five to 10 years. Um, just the way that he rides, where where he rides, who he rides for. You know, he rides first call basically for the two best trainers on the East Coast. You know, you know what I mean? And and so he's, he's, he's always going to kind of be in this position. And I don't want to punish him for that. I don't want to like get to one of those positions where we start, just kind of being bored by him winning all the time and then start trying to think of creative ways to give it to someone else. I don't think that's really fair. I think he's earned it at the same time. I would like people to keep an open mind like Jay has with ideas like junior Alvarado and, and ideas like Javier. And I don't want it to become a lazy situation where people just look at oh, 39 million, 1500 wins. Oh, it's IRAD again. It, it, it can be. And it, and, it, and, and what the heck let's do it five, six, seven years in a row, whatever it takes. But I do think that there is opportunities for some 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 cool things to happen for other riders that should be considered when when deciding who the champion rider is. Yes, Irad, I'm fine with. Um, fine with Flavian. Um, I would probably have Javier just because I don't I don't remember the exact number, but it felt like he was like on a run for like like six grade ones. I mean, he, for where his career was and where he is now, I, I think that that deserves some recognition. I don't think he deserves to win into the teeth of what Irad did, but I do deserve. I do think he deserves some recognition. Let's go to the uh, trainer category next. We'll pop that up on the screen. And, and this is an interesting one where I, I know you've got a, a, a strong feeling, Jason. We'll just we'll throw the ball right back in your court. Yeah, and this, I mean, Jonathan sort of uh, alludes to this uh, a moment ago when he talked about, look, you got to look beyond just who's at the top of the table in terms of purse earnings. And, you know, Brad Cox had another fantastic year. Uh, in terms of purse earnings and, and grade one wins and, and things of that nature. But, you know, to me, Bill Mott is, should be, I don't know that he will be, but he, he should be an absolute winner by acclamation here. He's going to have the champion two-year-old Philly uh, in just FYI. He's going to have the champion older dirt horse and perhaps horse of the year uh, in Cody's wish. And he's going to have the champion sprinter for the second straight year in elite power. There's no other trainer who, by my way of looking at it, is going to end up with three divisional Eclipse Awards, as well as a, a Horse of the Year uh, likely winner as well. And to me, that is what we're voting on here. We're voting on you know, what you had and what you did with it in order to try and win championships. And Mott, to me, absolutely stands out. It's easy for this, like JK was saying with jockeys, to just become a numbers game. But I think that's a very, very strong case you make. Who else did you put on the ballot behind him? I'm curious if you just defaulted to sort of the top of the table here, Jay, or if you kept the, the, the creativity going. Now, I actually, you know, there were three other guys for, for two spots. And, and funny enough, you know, Cox ended up being the odd man out for me. Uh, I voted for Pletcher second again with the commonality situation. No. He's going to have the two-year-old male champion in fierceness, and he's going to have the male turf champion in up to the mark. And he also had a good overall year as well. Uh, and then I put Chad Brown third, who's, you know, I don't, he's going to have potentially Clips Award winners for Goodnight Olive and in Italian. Uh, he also had, you know, terrific final, I think both hard to justify and especially randomized are going to be finalists in their divisions. Uh, he was the co-winner of the title at Saratoga. 
uh, he had a great year. So Mott, Fletcher, Brown in that order for me. JK, where are you here? Yeah, look, I, I mean, I, I'm good. With, I haven't been forced to have to make the decisions that, that you guys have with actually placing the vote, but I'm fine with, I'm fine with Bill Mott winning. Um, the other thing too is like, it's kind of one of those situations the same as Irad. I don't want to punish Irad. I don't want to punish Brad, Chad, Todd, and Steve, but they're always going to be where they're at because of the size of their stables, the races that they're in, their owners, their, their horse population. They're going to always kind of be at the top. And I think that you, you want to make sure that whoever gets it actually had an exceptional year, something that kind of stands out. And with those four guys, they kind of all look the same to a certain extent. You know, maybe one had more grade ones. This one had more graded stakes. This one had more money. This one had this. This one. I think what Bill Mott did is unique, and it should be considered. Now, look, if 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 Brad were to run away with it a little bit more, I'd have no problem just giving it to Brad in that situation. If he ran away from a money standpoint, a grade one win standpoint. But when they're all kind of muddied together, let's look at it objectively and what greatness was. And it feels like Bill Mott did that this year. We have gone on. We, we've taken more time than I thought having this, and it ha- hasn't felt like it. I just happened to to look at the clock. We have a few more categories to get to, and we're gonna and and we'll and we'll do it. Um, but let's let me go to one that I I think we can maybe do. We, it could either be a really long conversation or a really quick conversation. And I'm talking about uh, in this case, uh, apprentice jockey. Jay, who did you end up? Uh, who did you end up voting for? I, I did what I do every year. Uh, I abstain from this category. Uh, I, I, I hate this category. I think it's unnecessary. There's no apprentice trainer category. Uh, right. you know, you're voting largely for people who do not ride on the major circuits. You know, Axel Concepcion, who is going to win this category because he has more wins and more purse earnings than anybody else, uh, how many graded stakes wins did he have last uh, in 2023? Do you, know, you guys know? I'll tell you, zero. So, I mean, how do you measure that against, you know, the other riders that he's up against other than just looking at numbers on a, on a piece of paper and maybe the, you know, the few times you, you watched him ride on a Thursday night on TV from Turfway? Uh, I, I hate this category and I abstain from it always. It's you know what I think is so tough about this category is because we just bring our prejudices. Like if you are going to vote, like I kind of want to vote for Sophia Vivas because I was really really impressed because you know Woodbine our client and I watch them all the time in a way that I don't <laughs> some of these other apprentices and that's not fair. I fully recognize that's not fair. That's not really how it's supposed to work. So I'm definitely I'm going to probably vote, but I'm not going to feel great about it. And I very much respect your point, Jay. What uh, what about you, Jonathan, for this apprentice? Guy? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's I, I kind of agree with with Jay on it. it. It's look, it's it's I guess if we're looking at it from a positive standpoint, I guess that it is a great opportunity for a young rider to get some recognition that can hopefully propel them on to doing more next year by being able to say, I got the Eclipse Award winning rider. Can are you open in the seventh? Like that's all great for the for the for the for the for the, for the rider. But yeah, I mean, I, it's it's this category to me is the laziest of the categories where everyone just defaults to wins and money, and it's like it's, yeah, yeah, I could I could do without it as well. Let's move on to owners at this point, where you know this is the the data they they send us along to look at. Again, it'd be very easy to to default to where, where these numbers are, but I think that uh, Jay's trick slash technique. Of uh, of looking at the champions and going through might yield a little bit more insight here. How did it end up for you? 
you know, usually I, I just try and not vote for Godolphin because they usually just win with sheer numbers and overwhelm you in terms of the, the numbers of horse they have. But they deserve it, I, I think, this year uh, for owner. They're, Cody's Wish, again, is going to be the champion uh, older dirt horse, uh, in my opinion. I voted for Maj for uh, the, the three-year-old Philly title. But if you don't don't vote for Maj and you decide in that category you're voting for pretty mischievous, hey, you're voting for Godolphin there as well. Yeah. So uh, and they also had Master of the Seas, who had a terrific year and uh, won a Breeders' Cup race. So they won you know, two Breeders' Cup races with Master of the Seas and Cody's Wish. They ran one, two in the mile with Master of the Seas and Maj. I mean, they had a great year. And to me, they deserve it. So I, I voted for them first. Uh, I put Mike Rapoli second. Uh, he is the sole owner of Fierceness and the co-owner of Up to the Mark. And so to me, that was a, a terrific body of work. He also has, uh, obviously, Forte, who had, a, who had a very good year as well. So I voted for him second. Uh, and I voted for uh, Judmont for uh, third place uh, in this category. Uh, they also had, uh, in my way of looking at it, two horses that are going to be uh, champions in idiomatic and uh, elite power. So they were uh, they were deserving. So I, I felt really comfortable with how I ended up voting in this category in the top three, all of whom are connected to multiple champions. Godolphin, Rapoli, Judmont, Trifecta. Anything to add, Jonathan, before we move on to Breeder? No, Godolphin. That was an easy one. <laughs> and, uh, and this one might be easy as well. How did you break down the breeder category um, in terms of these this year's Eclipse Awards? Yeah, I, I mean, again, I came back to Godolphin, who they're at the top of the table in terms of earnings. And I don't like to just sort of by rote do something like that. But every horse that I just mentioned when we were talking about who they had for the owner uh, category, all of them are homebreds. Uh, so they bred every one of those horses that I just mentioned, uh, many of whom are going to be champions or, or likely champions uh maj pretty mischievous cody's wish master of the seas every one of those horses uh is a homebred uh they had a fantastic year on on that side of the ledger as well and so uh i voted for them i put uh spendthrift second uh they're the breeders of white barrio and to me white barrio on my ballot uh is going to be finishing second and i'm sort of tipping what, what we're doing horse of the year wise here but that's why i ended up voting for uh, Spendthrift second for Breeder. Uh, and I put Alpha Delta third. They're the uh, breeders of elite power. So that was how I voted in the breeder category. But I think, you know, even though Godolphin kind of overwhelms you with numbers, uh, they certainly overwhelmed with quality this year too, and they deserve it. Stone Street, I think, deserve a mention while we're yes. talking about this with the, the five grade ones and the 14 graded wins, but not enough to put them over Godolphin and, the, and that huge beer. Jonathan, anything to add here? Or is this just another slam dunk for, uh, for Godolphin for you? The boys in blue. <laughs> JK going for the boys in blue. All right, we're up to uh, the last category here. And we'll we'll pull this up. This is interesting. Uh, you know what? There's probably something prettier I can share than this tab that I that I just put up here. I, I'm not sure what this. I'm not even sure what this tab I just pulled up is. I'm I'm gonna work on that while we begin uh, while we begin the discussion here. Um, Jay, you have tipped your hand. So this one, I'm gonna throw this back to to Jonathan to get his ideas on it. Do you see this similarly to the way Jay has laid it out? And where would your vote go? Yeah, it's horse of the year, right? I, I, I just, 
I, I can't with White Barrio's, you know, very small resume. I mean, look, I love the Whitney. It's that and the Met Mile are my two favorite races of the year, the ones I look the most forward to. Um, and he won the Whitney and he did it impressively. And then he came back and he won the classic and that's outstanding and good for him. And he's got a lot of money in his bank account, but I don't, I, I need a little bit more for like horse of the year. When you look at that list of people that are horses that have won this, it, it, all of their resumes are better than what we're seeing from, from white Barrio. And so uh, I have no problem deferring to Cody's wish with that extra grade one uh, with the Met mile as well. And with another breeder's cut win. Sounds pretty logical to me, Jay. It sounds like this is one. I don't. Know if I'd say you went back and forth, but you clearly considered a lot. What was your logic behind your ultimate decision? Well, you know, Cody's wish uh, and White Barrio were my one-two for older male dirt. So obviously, if I'm ranking them for horse of the year from a consistency standpoint and a logical standpoint, they have to be in that order, right? So then the question becomes: Is there anybody I want to put above? those two. And to me, the only, I know there, there's a lot of sentiment out there. It seems for idiomatic. Uh, I didn't really consider her to me. You know, she, she had a great year. She had a long campaign, but every race she ran in is a restricted race. And I don't like to reward horses who only run in restricted races if there are other options. So to me, she wasn't really an option up to the mark though, was, was a serious option. And I gave him a real long look, but I still ended up deciding to go with Cody's wish. But if somebody came to me and said, you know, I think up to the mark deserves to be horse of the year. I, I wouldn't argue with them. I thought he had a great year, but for me, you know, Cody's wish wins out. And you know, we were talking about this earlier about the, the sentiment aspect of this. And I do think he'll get some votes in that regard because of the, the story behind Cody Dorman and all that, you know, you can call me a cold hearted hard ass, but you know, that doesn't enter into it for me. Uh, you know, to me, it, it needs to be just let's look at the, the facts and, and what a horse accomplished. And you don't need to, you know, the Cody Dorman story is, is wonderful. And it certainly adds to to what happened with Cody's wish. But for, from a voting standpoint, I think Cody's wish can stand on his own merits in terms of what he accomplished on the racetrack. And I ended up voting for him uh, for horse of the year. But uh, White Barrio and up to the mark filled out the uh, the top three for me. I agree with everything you guys said. To get back to the point J.K. brought up earlier about what would up to the mark needed to have done. For me, I think he he might have needed not just to win the turf, but maybe have that other win in the summer. And then for me, maybe I would have felt like that was just too overwhelming to to say no to. But again, with my bias towards dirt, I did uh, I, I did happily go Cody's wish and. I agree. It's not because of the sentiment, but the the sentiment is probably the reason why this is going to, I'm going to guess, isn't even going to really be close at the end of the day. But it's a good discussion to have where uh, certainly reasonable minds can disagree. If you're watching along on YouTube, let us know who you'd vote for for Horse of the Year. Let us know where we got it wrong in any of these categories. Going to try to be more interactive on the YouTube channel this year. So uh, feel free in the comments. So feel free to uh, hop in there and let us know what you think. If you're listening on pod, you can hop over to our YouTube channel in the money media and do that. If you're watching on YouTube and are interested in much more from us, make sure you subscribe to in the money media, wherever you get your podcast, any closing thoughts, gentlemen, about the, this year's eclipse awards. I did get the small bummer news. It's not a bummer. It's, it's just life priorities. I am going to not make the awards, even though they're in a theoretically convenient time, because I have a Taekwondo belt test to go to in Brooklyn that night. And it's not me being tested because 
God knows you wouldn't see me breaking boards or bricks or any of that exciting stuff, but I can't miss it. So uh, I'll come down. Is that for, the for Perrin? That's for Perrin, indeed. She'll be That's awesome. Uh, she's she's working hard to uh, she's getting close to that black belt level. So I, I I'm not gonna I'm not gonna miss out on that. But I, I I will be watching. The belt test will be over in time to 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 turn it on. Will you be down there in person, Jay? Uh, no, I will not be going to the. Uh... The Eclipse Awards uh, this year. I mean, I really enjoyed, uh, you know, last year's ceremony. It was really a, a cool thing to be, uh, you know, to, to have happen. But uh, going to just enjoy it from uh, from the comfort of home this year. Makes sense. Have you made any travel decisions about Pegasus weekend, Jonathan? Are you going to be uh, heading down to South Florida? Yeah, no, I think we're going uh, to go to South Florida for the Pegasus. Um I asked that question very carefully. Is you, but <laughs> you're you're so difficult. You just want to get those digs in at your. Well, own look, I mean, look, I mean, like I said, like I've said before, I'm I'm a I'm a rule changer, right? Uh, I got them to move the event off of. Uh, I'm just kidding. I didn't have anything to do with that. The statute um, of limitations has run out. Yeah. Well, I yeah, think yeah. I'm. I think I'm. I'm actually. I actually think I'm back eligible. So uh, <laughs> we'll 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 see how that goes. Very, very interesting. Very, very interesting idea. We'll, 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 a story to be followed in another podcast for sure. I will say this. A great Eclipse memory was uh, watching you and Dave Weaver during the ceremony. I don't know. You found somewhere. You, you were probably just betting on your phones, or but, you know, huddled at the back bar, betting like quarter horses. It was, uh, it was a sight of degeneracy well worth beholding. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, that was, uh, that was a fun time. All right, Jay, I know you've got people coming to the house. I've got to figure out what the hell's going on in my life. But really appreciate both of you taking time out today to join us. We'll have a little bit more show left for you, basically just some uh, closing remarks from me uh, on the podcast feed. But we're going to leave it here for YouTube. Thank you so much, Jay and JK. Thanks, guys. We're very excited to be partnered with Gulfstream Park for their championship meet to highlight their new Tropical Turf Pick 3. The wager includes three turf races every Friday and Saturday, the last three of the day, with a terrific 15% takeout. Additionally, the bet features a $3 minimum wager, actually quite helpful to players, despite what some people will tell you. And it's going to run even if races are moved from the turf to the synthetic. Do not miss out on the chance to play the Tropical Turf Pick 3. We're going to have handicapping shows all through the month of January where you can get all your tips and analysis. Keep it locked to the In The Money Media Network wherever you get your podcasts or check us out at InTheMoneyPodcast.com. PTF back with you from Saratoga. Happy New Year once again, everybody. Boy, that was fun getting a chance to catch up with Jay and JK and go over those Eclipse ballots. And selfishly, I was actually filling out my ballot during the show. If I sounded a little distracted at any point, that's probably why. So that's one very important piece of work for early 24 that I don't have to worry about anymore. Also wanted to say a special thank you, sort of a double thank you to my new friend, Dana Schaefer at Celtic Magic Thoroughbreds. Not only did she host the coolest ugly sweater Christmas party a few weeks ago up here in Saratoga, where I had such a great time, met so many cool people and folks that I'm going to uh, want to have on the show soon, like uh, Steve Moskowitz, very fun getting a chance to meet him in person, big supporter of, of the TRF and the thoroughbred owner in his own right. You'll be hearing from him here, but uh, Dana and her crew know how to have a good time. I was just a little surprised that my slightly down the rabbit hole, ugly sweater didn't meddle at the event. It was 
a picture of Darth Vader, like knitted into the sweater. And it said, I find your lack of cheer disturbing. I probably should have done the James Earl Jones. I find your lack of cheer disturbing. Anyway, I'm sure if there'd been one additional prize given for most whimsical sweater or something like that, I would have won. But then not just that, had an opportunity to hang out with Dana yesterday, New Year's Day, going out to uh, one of the local horse farms here and having a chance to uh, feed some of the new yearlings, wish them and sing them happy birthday. Parents Susan and I had such a great time. What a fantastic way to ring in the new year. Thank you, Dana. And we will add Celtic Magic Thoroughbreds to a list of racing stables that we always root for around here. Hopefully we'll have a chance to have you on soon as well. That's going to do it for this edition of the show. A couple of more thank yous. How about our founding partners, 10 Strike Racing? They've got an Eclipse Award contender. Let's see how it works out. Such a competitive category. Who knows? But we're pulling for Awakened over here at In The Money Media. Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation, you know all about their great work. If you've been here for any amount of time, check out our page, trfinc.org slash players to learn much more about the work they do and uh, make a donation if you want. Believe it or not, I keep saying that I found my last box of whiskey and then I keep finding other barrels of whiskey, not not full barrels, but boxes of whiskey. I still have a little bit more. If you want a gift of whiskey, donate 200 bucks to the Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation. It's really good stuff. These barrel picks we made, uh, the the rye, four-year-old rye, empire rye, aged another four months in apple brandy barrels, really good winter warmer, uh, very nice with your mulled cider or on its own or in a cocktail. trfinc.org slash players is the only place you're going to be able to get that by donating 200 bucks to the TRF. This show's been a production of In The Money Media. I'm Peter Thomas Fornatal. May you win all your photos. <laughs>